Good afternoon and welcome to Coastal Conversations here on WERU. We explore issues facing Maine's coastal communities through dialogue with people who live, work, and play on our coast. From fisheries to tourism, from energy to environment, from economy to ecology, we go beyond the social media sound bites, probing deeply into complex issues and solutions. Coastal Conversations is produced with help from the University of Maine Sea Grant Program, whose mission is to support Maine's coastal communities through research, outreach, and education. In partnership with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the University of Maine, Maine Sea Grant brings marine science to Maine people. This is Natalie Sprinkle from Maine Sea Grant, and I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour of Coastal Conversations. Today, our Coastal Conversations is about art of the Maine coast, and I'm really excited for my guests today who will help us explore this topic from many angles. Um, two of my guests are artists and art teachers, and one is a writer about art and is also a poet. Um, and we are going to dive into a conversation about all things related to the role of Maine and the Maine coast um, in our guests' lives and in their work. So why don't we start by introducing our guests, and then we'll get we'll jump right into our conversation. So um, our first guest is Tom Curry, who is a landscape artist from Brooklyn, Maine. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the show. Hello. Great to have you. Our next guest is Judy Taylor, who is also a painter of both landscapes and people, um, and she is from Seal Cove on Mount Desert Island. Hi, Judy. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Carl. Hi, Tom. It's great to have you. Um, and then our third guest is Carl Little, who's an art writer and an art critic um, and also a poet, and his day job is he works at the Maine Community Foundation. Hi, Carl. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Natalie. Thanks for having us all. Yeah, I'm excited to have you all. So um, before we jump into your work, because this show is Coastal Conversations, which is all about the main coast, um, and we are kind of branching out on our show today. Um, we have been on air for about six or seven years and have talked about all kinds of things related to the main coast. A lot of conversations with fishermen and aquaculture farmers and researchers and marine resource managers. Somehow we've made it through seven years and haven't had artists on the show, which is totally shameful so I'm really excited to have you guys here. Um, we have had some writers on the show but we haven't really dedicated ourselves to art so so it's great to have you guys here. Um, so why don't we start by having you guys um, share a little bit about your connection to this place. What is it about Maine? How did you end up here? What do you love about Maine um, and sort of your connection to the place? And how about we start with Carl? Sure with pleasure. Um... I first came to Maine in 1980. Uh, my uncle Bill, the painter William Keenbush, left his house on Great Cranberry Island to my brother David and me. And that's when I discovered this beautiful place. Uh, and we eventually moved here year round in 1989 with my family. Uh, well, my uncle Bill was a painter and uh, he loved the coast of Maine. Uh, he came up here every summer from New York uh, he, he described it as, as sort of the stages of climbing Mount Everest. He, every year it was, it was sort of his, it was his goal to, to make it back to Maine. And um, he lived for a time in Trevitt and then he was in Stonington and, and then finally on Great Cranberry Island. And, and uh, so I, I kind of inherited 
that not only the house, but, but his love of, of the coast. Uh, he, he particularly loved islands uh, and, and, and of the islands, he loved Hurricane Island maybe the most. Uh, so that's, that's how I came to be here. Great, that sounds like a great family connection to this place. Um, and how about we go with Judy next? Um, I was studying a painting, I was in eight years in New York City where I was studying and um, it was like my eighth summer in Brooklyn and I, I said, I gotta get out of here. So, um, you know, I really, I had been painting a lot going up into Long Island and uh, up into um, other places in upstate New York and doing some painting in, in Vermont and everything on weekends. But, um, you know, I'm, being in Brooklyn in the summer was hot and noisy. So I um, was looking into uh, coming up to Maine for the summer and I had a, a woman I knew that was an artist up here and she said that uh, out of the blue, she wrote me and I think Carl and, Carl and Tom both know A.B. Claire about um, coming up and uh, co, co, you know, renting her um, studio space in Southwest Harbor. So anyway, I came up for the summer and then um, I needed to get a job. So I started working at the Claremont Hotel as the bartender down at the boathouse. And I just painted all day long and then worked my little bar shift. And so, and then I fell in love with it and I didn't leave. So that was in 1996, I believe. So I just uh, moved all my stuff. I came up back up to Maine permanently and then uh, for a while, I was going down to uh, West Palm Beach with my husband, um, and then three years after that, I did go back. To, I did move to Austin, Texas, where I taught art at the Austin Museum of Art, and um, but I always came back in the summers. And then in 2002, um, I bought my house here, so and I haven't left since. So I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> so yeah, love it. And I've painted many areas. I've painted, um, you know, in Texas. You know, I really um, was not enamored, sorry, Texas, but I was so not, an, I wasn't really enamored with the Texas landscape, um, but I did mostly figurative work there. But coming to Maine, I am completely enthralled with the light in Maine and the Maine landscape, and it's never endingly uh, intriguing. I love living here. I think this last year during the pandemic, I feel that I was, we were really lucky to be here. Thank you so much, Judy. Um, it's amazing how Maine has that draw on people. Even when you leave, you sort of always come back. I have a very similar similar experience and also a deep, deep love and gratitude for being in this place. Um, Tom, Tom Curry, tell us a little bit about your Maine story. Okay. Um, I My parents have a, had a, a camp up in Maine uh, and bought it when I was 11. And uh, in the Newfield area, um, and I just, my parents, my mom would just come up and the four kids dropped them off in Maine. My dad would come up on weekends and, uh, I just roamed. And uh -huh. it. Um, and then, um, my wife, Kimberly Ridley, uh, you know, got a job working with John Wilson on a new magazine called Hope and she was the editor. So, uh, <laughs> she, she said, in 95, she said, why don't we just go up there for a year and, and try it out? Of course, uh, she had a full-time job, but I, I didn't really, uh, I wasn't really sure it was going to work out for me. Um, 
But I lucked out and I, I met like 40 people, all people from Wooden Boat uh, right away and uh, found a great studio, shared it with Sherry Streeter. And um, I started just spending my whole day painting outside. And um, I was totally smitten with this place. I, I just, <laughs> I was working with pastel, pastel landscape because uh, I, I, I just liked how fast I could work. And it's, you know, a drawing medium. And uh, I started doing pretty experimental stuff with color. And I just kept um, enjoying learning and exploring this fantastic place we live in. Mm, I love it. I love it. Um, I would love to just help listeners understand your connection to the Maine Coast as artists and how you're depicting the Maine Coast in your work. Who would like to go first? Thanks, Carl. Yeah, so um, I've been writing about Maine artists and the Maine Coast for, I don't know, maybe 35 years now. And I never tire of it. I, I love uh, being able to go to artist studios and see their work. Um, I write a, a fair amount of profile, artist profiles, um, in particular for Maine Boats, Homes and Harbors magazine. Uh, and that's, that, that's been a lot of fun. Um, I love to know how they work. I like to know something about their technique. Um, and then most of all, you know, their, their connection to the landscape or, or to their subject matter. Um, so I, I have a new book coming out um, uh, in, in, later this month uh, through the Courthouse Gallery. It's actually my sixth, sixth book with them um, on an artist named Mary Alice Trorgi, who's a painter who has worked on Monhegan almost exclusively. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. And it leads me to say that, you know, when we talk about the coast of Maine, uh, there are certain iconic places that are that have just drawn, you know, generations of artists, and and Monhegan is one of those one of those places. Uh, one of the things I love about Tom and Judy's work is that they're a little bit off the beaten track um, with Shadow Island in Brooklyn, in Tom's case, and then you know Bass Harbor, you know, and and parts of Acadia uh, that that don't get painted that much um, in Judy's case, um, the, the, it's, it's wonderful work. Great, thank you, Carl. Um, and uh, since you just, the last person you mentioned was Judy, let's go with Judy and um, let's, let's sort of try to paint a picture of your work, which really blew me away as I was looking at it online. Um, I was especially drawn to, to your, um, your images of the coast of Maine where you incorporate piers and wharves. And it, it just felt like you were capturing moments in time in some of our coastal communities that are in such transition. And it really, really marked that particular moment. And I was really excited about seeing that. So um, tell us a little bit about your work. It's really interesting that you say that, Natalie, um, because just last week um, I was painting down in Bass Harbor and um, one of the local um, restaurant owners, um, I was painting, of course, an old dock. And he said, well, Judy, I'm glad you're painting that because it's coming down. And um, things are just changing very rapidly. You know, the working harbors are, are getting a little spruced up. 
Um, so just the, the fact that you said that is very interesting. And I just came off a, a workshop that I was teaching with students down in the harbors, but I had planned on taking them out to Frenchboro, which I don't know, if, Tom, if you've ever been out to Frenchboro, Carl, I know you probably have. Um, there's just not a bad place to paint. And because it's an island, about 45 minutes off the coast, I don't think it's gonna change. So I just love going there to paint. Um, so it's, it's just a magical place. And I know like Carl spoke of Monhegan and everything, but we're up here and there's really some great islands to go to up here. And, uh, and you're, you're pretty much the only artist probably painting on the island, which is another, another nice benefit. So yeah, I am really, um, I really am drawn to the working harbors um, and the, the people in Maine. So sometimes I combine the figure in the landscape. Um, sometimes it's just pure landscape. And then sometimes it's just pure figure. So that I would say that's pretty much an embodiment of my work. Um, I do go into the park to paint and uh, Acadia National Park. Um, but I really kind of like to find the uh, out of the way places or I go, you know, when there's like, really like Tom and Carl, they know the light in Maine and um, how great it is early morning and late, late afternoon or early evening. So those are the times that I really like to go out to paint. And um, so I work in the studio and I work out on site. And um, I have been painting probably Bass Harbor and Bernard for 25 years. And it is, you know, I do see that I do see a changing. But then you can always go up to out to the islands or you can go up to Jonesport or some Eastport or some great places where the light is just magical. Um, I haven't done too much interior Maine work. Uh, I did live in Belfast for a year. So I painted a lot of Belfast, which is also a very paintable place. Um, I haven't been in Tom's neck of the woods too much, but it's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. So, um, but Judy, your, your painting of Katahdin is on the front of our oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I just want to mention that. That was actually from a workshop Marsha Donahue had put together to paint out at, um, we were out there for a week um, painting. And then, and then in February, that painting that's on the book cover is from February up in Katahdin. So yeah, I, I have absolutely painted many times up in Katahdin, which is absolutely, of course, spectacular. And I said, you know, I've, I've really traveled quite a bit and I've gone on some really nice trips. But that week in the Katahdin woods, staying in a cabin with no heat and 35 degrees, it was one of the most wonderful weeks. <laughs> it was a great trip. And, you know, so uh, it, I just loved it. I loved every minute of it. Great, great, thank you. Um, and how about you, Tom? Tell us a little bit about your work. Okay, um, I generally, work uh, in a particular area and I do several compositions in that area. So my work is, um, how do I describe it? Um, usually what I do is when I start on a composition, I find something I love and uh, that's the key, finding something you love. And then I usually uh, use some extreme colors to start. I draw with uh, cadmium red and uh, cadmium yellow just to do a sketch and then uh, I use a medium that dries it like pretty quickly so this is all in oil and then I start by um, moving different shapes of, uh, I, I think about color and, and areas as shape and that helps me to define the contours of say the landscape I'm working on um, 
And then I refine it. I start pretty crazy and I use things like paper towels and uh, a palette knife. Um, uh, and I try to stay away from the brush as long as I can. And then, um, and then I go back in for detail. That's how I usually work on a painting. Um, of course, you don't hear all the screaming and yelling when things aren't working out or you're getting paint all over you or the bugs are biting or you get the brown-tailed moths dribbling down on you when you're working. But um, pretty much it's a joy to be outside painting. Um, I do work inside too. Uh, usually what I do is I do these 16 by 20 studies of Chatto Island. I just go down to the shore. It's an island right off of the coast uh, here in Brooklyn. It's not that far. I try to make it feel like it's out there, miles away from the shore. And uh, what, I, what I've been noticing more and more about a series, which I really love to do, series, so I stay with the same subject and I just um, try to find days that are out of the ordinary. Snow, blizzards, wind, ice, um, sunsets, morning. Um, I love it when it's crazy, like a storm is blowing in, those kinds of things. I like it when the, when the water gets all roughed up and um, it's very interesting to me. Um, and I also like it when there's a sheer of light. It's, early, it's late evening or early morning and the light is just skimming across the top of the surface of the land and usually hits an island or it hits a mountaintop or something. I love that. So um, I'm always looking for things and I'm always sort of carrying things around in my mind about what I want to paint. So that's it. It's um it's so interesting to hear you you speak having spent a bunch of time looking at your work that you have posted online, um, and and your your comment about um, how it's so important for you to paint something that you really love just really resonates for me having just looked at your work because there was one piece that you had I think it was a view of Great Head um, on Mount Desert Island um, with, with a, a silhouette of Great Head in the distance which is you know is a hike that I and probably many of our listeners have done many times and you you just captured that moment and I just when I looked at that painting I was like I love that place and so it just like your love of the place sort of trans you know transferred to me as I was viewing it. I think definitely. I, I, you know what? There are certain places that you go back to. You just, you can't help it. You always find yourself there. And uh, Mount Desert, there's a lot of stunning landscapes on Mount Desert. I have spent a lot of time in Skudik lately because uh, of the tick problem right now, uh, working in fields. And uh, Skudik, you know, you can't go wrong with Skudik. Anywhere you look, it's gorgeous. And, and so I'm just, very fortunate to be I really feel very fortunate to be a painter here if you're just tuning in today you're listening to coastal conversations on WERU community radio at 89.9 FM and streaming online at WERU.org our show today is about art of the main coast with my guests Tom Curry a landscape painter from Brooklyn Maine who was the voice you were just hearing before Tom, we heard from Judy Taylor, a painter of landscapes and coastal scenes and figures who hails from West Tremont on Mount Desert Island, and we also are joined today by Carl Little, an art writer, art critic, and a poet from Somesville, also on Mount Desert Island. Please note that this show was pre-recorded and we won't be taking any calls today.
So I had just asked Carl Little to tell us a little bit about his process for finding and writing about Maine artists. Here is Carl. Yeah, well, I'm, I always have my eye out for, for what's going on and shows and what, what, what artists are up to and new artists and, and artists that have been around for a long time. And uh, uh, I, I have gotten special pleasure out of doing some of the kind of um, album type books like Paintings of Maine, which is my first book, and then The Art of Maine in Winter, The Art of the Maine Islands, um, Art of Acadia. Uh, I love the idea of being able to bring visibility to so many artists at one time through those books. It gives me an enormous amount of pleasure. Um, so there, there's that. And then, um, you know, that I, I think of art, main art as a, sort of the instigator of joy in a way. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking particularly um, when my Wait. wife and I first moved here in 89, we bought a painting by Dan We had a brief audio glitch with Carl's connection there, so I just wanted to hop on and let you know that he was talking about buying a painting from Dan Fernald of Little Cranberry Isle. And it's a, it shows uh, some kids and a couple of adults handlining from Ackerel off the coast, off the off the dock at, on Islesford, and I just that that painting gives me joy every time I look at it. It's a pastel, large pastel. And, um, it uh, it keeps me going. Yeah, the the theme of joy is is coming up for us. Um, and so, for any of you, um, so the main coast is a is an important character in your work. Um, what's the role that that being an artist, a writer, a painter, in and of itself, sort of plays in your life? How does it how does it sort of help you be? who you are, how does it help you cope with the world around you? Um, how does it bring you joy? How it maybe how it came to be that you turned to, to art and writing as a as a, such a core part of who you are through your life? And and what what's its role today? Tom, let's go for it. You know, um, it's very funny. Uh, uh, people's perception of you as an artist, uh, I find anyway, uh, oftentimes people say, oh, yeah, out tainting landscape, you know, kicking back, probably, you know, drinking a lemonade or something. I mean, their, their idea of, of artists generally are, you know, that we're kind of lazy. Um, <clears throat> but the truth is that um, I find that in order for me to be an artist, I have to spend at least five or six hours a day, every day, maybe I take Sundays off. Uh, to paint. Um, and also every vacation I've taken, I generally paint somewhere, you know, for like uh, in, in the Grand Teton National Park or if we're like uh, in, go to Small Point to paint there, that's Maine, but it's, um, I've been to New Mexico, all kinds of places, I've been recently to Texas. And I think that it is, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to be an artist anyway, is because you can't help but paint or you can't help but draw. You can't help but be drawn to places that you find interesting uh, and, uh, and pull stuff out and discover new things. And, and, and I, you know what it is? It's this incredible sense of curiosity. It's curiosity. You, you want to know what's out there. Uh, and... Um, <laughs> you, you, you know what else is very funny about being an artist, I think, 
is the number of interactions you have with people out in the landscape. Uh, I was painting on uh, Nubble Light over in York uh, and uh, a busload of uh, tourists drove up <clears throat> and I'm down painting on the rocks and someone says, artist, turn around, I wanna take your photograph. And I think that, you know, you're just sort of like artist, artist, you know, <clears throat> you just have to sort of have a, a kind of open mind, a sense of humor. I mean, there is just too many things that happen when you're working outside that it's, it, it's very funny, actually. I, I enjoy telling my wife these crazy stories when I get home, you know? So, um, and, and you know what? It, it's a lifetime of, I, I have to say, you know, it's joy and sorrow. There's things that don't work out. <laughs> there, and there's, uh, you know, you also bring in different people that you know to help you put things together, like framing and panels and paint. And when you run into problems, other artists, what do I do? How do I keep the paint from falling off this painting? Or, you know, so it's a, it's a great thing. I love your story about, um, you know, you're essentially becoming the tourist attraction for all those folks in the bus. Um, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were we were interviewing some folks for a show um, who were researchers doing some some research and taking samples off the edge of streams and everything and and at piers and everything and 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 exactly the same story that you know members of the public, especially in Maine in the summertime, they're just coming through and they're really curious about what is it that people in Maine do? How do they live? How do they work? Um, and, and you guys as artists and scientists on the shore, you're really interesting to people. People want to know about you and what you're doing. So um, that's, that's, a, that's a neat corollary there. Um, so let's go. Uh, how about we go with Judy? Well, I totally concur with Tom about uh, all those experiences. And you really have to kind of keep your sense of humor up. And, um, and, and the full-time, uh, you know, the full-time of being an artist. And you know, like, I think I just mentioned, I just came off a workshop where I drove my students pretty hard for three days and they were all like fainting at the end of it. And they go, oh my God, I can't believe how hard this is and how exhausted I am. And that's the truth of it. It's not, um, it, it's, it's, it's highly concentrated, uh, focused work and um, it is pretty exhausting. So. Um, I, the, this comes from people who have done exhausting work in their lives. So that, that sense of concept, that feeling of concentration and focus is really what I think an artist that is dedicated to their um, profession experiences. Um, so I've had so many of the same stories. Um, we probably could write a book, Tom, about things that people say to us um, when we're out painting. And I also, um, you know, at one time I thought, oh, this would be like, a, you know, a great, you know, great five minute weather report. You could just go to the artists out on the, the end of the, the end of the thing and see what's the weather forecast. But um, I also think it's just like, like weaving, like Carl weaving po poetry and writing. Um, what I talk about with painting is you um, put it down and then after you start a painting, it's all about editing the painting. Same thing as the, with the craft of writing. And, um, and also, you know, the influence of um, some of your artist friends is really great to keep up with uh, each other uh, on what you're working with. 
And um, I work with a lot of models. So it's also great interaction to work with the models and what their input is and how much they add to the painting. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think to the outside person, we might view uh, simplistically how how uh, isolated you are. You know, you're you're a one person show, but but really, there's a lot of people that you're interacting with to produce to produce your work. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah definitely. Yeah. I, and working for the Maine Community Foundation over the years, I've come to appreciate the community of artists. Uh, I mean, you know, these wonderful. Um, I was just thinking about the. Um, the collaboration that the Maine Farmland Trust has done with bringing artists to farms around the state, that kind of thing. Uh, but there is that, you know, as Tom mentioned, there's the framers, there are the gallery dealers, there are the, the all part of the sort of the, the ecology of of the art world in Maine. And and it's 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 a great group. We we, we support each other. Um, you think about an organization like the Union of Maine Visual Artists. I mean, they they they've been advocating for for artists in Maine for years, you know, trying to, you know, do away with jury fees and, you know, stuff like that, advocating for, for, uh, for, for healthcare, um, for, for artists, all kinds of things. So it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a big state, but it's a, you know, everybody knows each other pretty well and uh, we all work, work together pretty well. It's kind mm. of yeah, and Carl, tell us a little bit about your process as a writer of Maine art. Um, so you're you're looking at all this great work. What, what tell us a little bit about your process as a as a writer of art? Well, I would probably go back to I was for a couple of years associate editor at Art in America magazine in New York, and my first editor there, uh, a woman named Betsy Baker, uh, she, I started writing reviews for them, and she said, "Carl, I you know." I, I really want you to document what's going on in the work. That's number one. What what are the strokes doing? Uh, what are, you know? Tell us about the palette. Tell us about uh, particular you know stylistic things and less subjective. If you want to throw in something there about you know connection to a theme or something like that, do that. But first and foremost, I want you to document it. Uh, so I've, I've kind of come out of that as sort of that's that that's my A to you, what's going on in a painting, in a show. Um, and sometimes it can be really, really fun. Uh, I had to review, I didn't have to, but I, I reviewed a, a show that's at the L.C. Bates Museum right now. It's actually a virtual online show called Marks and Tracks. And I wrote about it for the Maine Arts Journal. And I actually managed to mention all 33 artists in the review. Which I think is a new record for me. That's, that's part of my process. That's great. Um, so, having read a little bit of your of the articles that you've written that are that are available online of late, um, it what really uh, amazes me about your writing is your and this is going to sound perhaps a little bit simplistic, and I don't mean it to be so, but you've written about. So many incredible artists, and yet your writing always sounds fresh, even though so many of the subjects that you have written about are, they're all connected, or many of them are connected by their connection to the main coast. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's links in so many of the works that you've, that you've written about, and yet the way that you're writing about them is, is so unique and specific to that particular piece of art. 
Well, I, I think it relates to, you know, I don't really go for a lot of jargon or art speak in my writing. I, I'm really, uh, yeah. in, in fact, it's a way in some ways of being, uh, of being a poet uh, while I'm writing about art uh, vicariously, I guess. Uh, but I do like to, you know, I, I understand with doing an art book that people are maybe not necessarily going to read it. They're going to they're gonna look at the art, but I want to write in a way that if they do happen to, to start on paragraph one, uh, that maybe they'll be engaged and, and continue to read. Uh, so yeah. I get a, get, a, get a big kick out of that. So I want to go into a little bit more deeply about Maine itself. Um, and a thing that the four of us share is our, our deep love of the Maine coast. And we share that with thousands of other people. What, what is it about the Maine coast that sort of inspires this sense of place for people, whether they've been here for multiple generations or they're here for a three-day trip, you know, on the 4th of July weekend? Like there's something so special and, and hard to pinpoint about this place where you all live and work um, that I'd just like to hear from you about sort of what is what is the sense of place that, that it means for you and why do you think that that's... Um, kind of a shared experience by so many people. Tom. Um, one of the things that I, <clears throat> I, I cherish about Maine is the fact that uh, I always feel like the, the places, oftentimes the places that I go are not necessarily uh, covered with footprints. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's sort of, it has this, jeez, uh, it has this mysterious, feeling to it, like maybe I'm the first person who's ever seen this view. Um, and I, I really think that, you know, from, if you, if you, you know, like think of it from a child's perspective, it's, it's a place where, you know, you could see a bear, you know, you might. And uh, it's a place that you, you, you could watch uh, beautiful stars at night or you can listen to the peepers, or now there's fireflies everywhere. So in, in some ways, uh, I often think about Maine uh, from the perspective too of the vacationer. They're up here to enjoy themselves, to do something fun, to explore, you know? I mean, when we were kids, all we did, <laughs> this is what I did, you know, in the morning I would hop into my canoe and I'd go fishing you know, I had three sisters, they were probably still all asleep, but I would go out and explore and I'd go to different little islands on this lake and I'd find uh, huckleberries and I do, you know, I, I guess it's a place where I oftentimes think about as being pretty safe. I, I don't, you know, I mean, as a kid, I, I roamed and the only reason we came home was we hear this cowbell my mom would ring and we know it was time for dinner um so you know i think i think there's a it's just a i just feel fortunate that's all well first of all i want to thank tom for painting that picture of young tom because it's it's a it, you painted a picture of you as a as a young boy <laughs> i got a big kick out of that so I, you know, I was born in Nebraska, and um, 
you know, I always wanted, I knew I had a passion for uh, being an artist. I wanted to draw. I mean, I used to send in for those, draw this, draw that. Um, you know, I had a subscription to Highlights Magazine. Well, what we saw in art um, from like Saturday Evening Post it was a lot of Winslow Homer and Norman Rockwell and, um, uh, you know, Hopper, Edward Hopper, those are, I don't know, I just gravitated to those painters immediately as a, you know, little girl in Nebraska. Um, and when I would look out onto uh, the Nebraska plains, they, they were like endless. Um, so I can think I have this um, kind of sense of perspective. I mean, and talking about, um, you know, a mathematical perspective where you look at the long view. And so I don't know, just in, it, I think that's the feeling people get with Maine. It's that it's a sense of nostalgia. It's a it's a sense of like slowing down. It's a sense of letting letting kind of wonder, letting letting uh, Maine just seep into you, and uh, and basically slowing down, which is really hard for people these days. And uh, Maine provides that for them, and I hope it continues to provide that for for them. And it's just um, I can't. It's just something in your gut, you know. You just um, come here and and I it's 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 a feeling with uh, I I would say almost 100% of the people that I've talked to um that Maine is is a haven I mean I feel that way I've lived many many places and for me and, and I also moved every couple of years even when I was a child so Maine is a homecoming and Maine is my home and that's the first time I mean I I did have it is the my biggest home that I've had so yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Carl, does um, does this resonate with you? What Tom and Judy are are sharing about sort of the, what is it that draws people to Maine so deeply and so gutturally? Yeah, it, it, it very much does so. And I, I would go back to my Uncle Bill, who I mentioned at the beginning, uh, Bill Keenbush. Uh, you know, he 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 wrote about going out to Hurricane Island and, you know, that island uh, uh, sort of overnight disappeared. It was a major quarrying island and uh, basically the, the, the artisans dropped their tools and moved off in the depression. And so he would he would hire um, a lobsterman from, from Vinyl Haven who would drop him off, go out in the morning and drop him off on Hurricane. And he had a little brownie camera and he would walk around the island taking photos of different motifs uh, and then go back to the city, to New York City and print them out and put pin them up in his his studio there and and that would be the beginning of his of his painting and he used those as sort of to help him remember what he saw but he 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 described it as being like in a dream being on this island i mean it was like haunted and uh he he just adored it i mean that was his that was his you know we talk about a haven or a retreat this this was his place to go um and he 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 found out he found that on Great Cranberry too. It, it, there's more of a community out there, obviously, than than, than Hurricane. Uh, but um, I think that's what he what he sought was that quiet and that away from the world place. Yeah, and the these these feelings that you are all three talking about, and as Judy said, everyone you've met, um, uh, it seems like so many people feel this this sort of uniqueness of Maine, and it speaks and deep in our hearts and our souls. And and it seems like it's been that way for an awful long time. Um, and so I was wondering, Carl, if you could help us sort of get a context for um, 
how today's artists who are so connected to the main coast, how, how are they connected to this incredible legacy of art um, that we've had on the coast of Maine? And sort of what, what is the piece that, that modern contemporary artists like Judy and Tom, how, how do they fit into that, to that longstanding um, tradition of, of deeply, a deeply connected sense of, uh, uh, sense of place? Well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the early painters of the coast of Maine were seasonal. They would come here, do their work and, and go home. I mean, and that includes, I mean, someone like John Marin, I, I don't believe that he painted any winter paintings at all. Uh, I could be wrong, but um, so Tom and Judy live here year round. They, they see a, a world uh, that a lot of their predecessors didn't see. And that's that's something that's happened, I would say, in the last 25 years. There's, there are more year-round painters. Um, I know, like, Judy moved here. Tom moved here. Uh, think about Rob Pullian and Amy Pullian, uh, who have, you know, and have taken on main winters and integrated those into, into their work. Um, but it is an incredibly rich continuum. I mean, when you mentioned, Natalie, uh, Tom's painting of Greathead, you know, that's that's one of the iconic motifs of Acadia, and it's been painted before, but it's never been painted like Tom painted it. Um, and we can newly appreciate that place um, uh, through his work. Um, and, and likewise with Judy, uh, the, you know, uh, the, the, the working waterfront is, is a favorite subject of, of, of many painters. Uh, I think about Phil Fry and, and, and others. And, uh, but each 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 one of them kind of comes at it from a different perspective. Uh, they they kind of reinvent it, um, uh, and and it's wonderful in that regard. It 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 becomes part of that that continuum that started back in the what the late 1700s at least, and uh, and continues full full steam ahead today. That was art writer Carl Little from Somesville here on Coastal Conversations on WERU Community Radio at 89.9 FM and streaming online at WERU.org with your host, me, Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant. We're also joined today by painters Tom Curry from Brooklyn, Maine and Judy Taylor from West Tremont. Please note that the show was pre-recorded and we won't be taking any calls today. I had asked our guests about how art and paintings of the Maine coast help capture or document a moment in time amidst a changing coastline, whether it be about the working waterfront or other changes happening along the shores. I wanted to hear them talk about how their work helps us understand this place better. Here is Judy Taylor. That's a, um, a somewhat difficult question to answer because mm -hmm. I, the main way that I think I can answer it and... Uh, Maybe Tom agrees with this, it, 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 and what he said before. It's going with your gut and what you are, what you fall in love with, what you want to paint. Um, I don't think I put a cell phone in any one of my paintings, um, a computer in any one of my paintings. It's just visually not interesting to me. So I think that um, as far as you know, and I do know that artists reflect the contemporary world. So maybe there's other aspects of it, but to me. Painting um, is really more about um, how light, it's, it's, it's all kind of a lot about light and narrative and composition. Um, those things are pretty key to me. So if I add something in that disrupts that kind of um, um, 
visual um, narrative that I'm trying to create, um, then I, I will I just take it out or whatever. And I kind of I, I guess it's almost like and I, I kind of describe this if you're sitting in the audience uh, at, at a theatrical performance, and the curtain curtain uh, parts, and then the first thing that's up on stage to me that's a narrative painting, and so I kind of think of it. Um, in that respect that everything um, kind of adds to the whole overall composition in that first glimpse of what um, of what captures you. And uh, people say, you know, how do you know of something? And you really, really need to learn to trust your gut. And I think that goes with collectors and uh, people that just love, when you go to an art museum or when you go to a show and you see something in your stomach, just it's something in your gut just tells you that, um, I don't know, just something something you say that just gives you a thrill. And that's, I think I use that same kind of um, feeling when I when I paint. I hope I do. Yeah, Judy, you reminded me of uh, uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic when we were we were we were going outside a lot more than ever, uh, going up the giant slide trail one day, uh, up to heading up to the top of Sargent and coming across a whole batch of reindeer moss. I'd never seen so much in one place. And it was just this sense of like, a, where am I? What, what, what world is this in? And I think that that, I mean, if I was a painter, I probably would have, I, well, I did photograph it, but uh, I would have, would have painted it. Uh, but but that, that's, that sense of, you know, of wonder that you, you have with, with what you're looking at and, and, and the desire to, to, to translate it and to paint. Wonderful. Yeah, and it correlates really well with what Tom was talking about earlier about sort of finding the joy and really, um, really celebrating that joy and putting words in your mouth, Tom. But that's that's the message I got from 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 it, and and sort of correlating that with Judy's comment to 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 trust your instincts on what you're painting. I love that too. What do you think, Tom? Um, you know, uh, you were talking about time, how you feel like you know. How do you record time? Well, you know, it's it's very interesting. Uh, I have, I uh, maybe the places that I go, it's not frequented by a lot of people, um, but I have gone back to places uh, within maybe just uh, six months, and they're not there anymore. You know, um, the tide is rising and. Uh, the, the plants have all washed off in a winter storm. And um, you do see a lot of erosion as an artist, you know, that things are not the same. And uh, anyway, a painting along the coast, this is what you see, you see, and there's all kinds of crazy things that get washed up on the shore and trees fall over that you're planning on painting or someone goes in and cuts all the trees down and you're like what I'm not done with that picture yet you know uh, I can't say that rocks move but <laughs> everything else seems to change and um, also here's the other thing that's kind of difficult uh, is access um, it used to be a little bit more access uh, say 25 years ago you, and also you didn't feel like you're putting your life on the line by walking along the shore uh, in front of someone's cottage and painting. 
Um, it just seemed like, you know, the artistic license was more available when I just say 25 years ago. I think what it is, is that there's many, many more people moving here, especially since the pandemic. And they have brought up with them the things that they, you know, the property um, that maybe some of the aspects of their property that they owned in Connecticut or Massachusetts or New York or Washington. And they might not want artists walking around <laughs> painting their view. But um, so I have to do say that things do change uh, quite a bit. And um, it's not like, you know, I, I, there's a great painting that Bill Irvin did. Uh, Bill Irvin is, I think, one of the amazing painters here in Maine and living and painting. And he did a painting of uh, Obama wins. He did this uh, still life and it had like a lobster on it. And on the paper underneath the lobster was this, I know not quite the whole paper, but it said Obama wins. And so he you know, gives you different types of uh, placement of time. And uh, he's very, he's a great painter. You should take a look at his work. He's going to be 90 this year too, just to, just painting up a storm. Wow. Wow. And if I could just add something to what Tom says, I, and I really, really like to emphasize this because I just want to tell people, if you have fallen in love with a place, why, why would you change it? So just, you know, if you fall in love with it, just hold on to that a little bit. Yeah. That's such a good message, and 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 you guys are are sharing a message that really interestingly to me we hear on our show a lot from clam harvesters, marine worm harvesters. You know the 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 changing nature of the coast of Maine and the declining access to the coast because a different set of ethics might be coming in in terms of permissive trespass and all that kind of stuff. It's it's reflected by by a lot of different. Um, a lot of different angles of folks who who use the main coast, whether it's artists or marine harvesters or others. So, uh, a couple of you mentioned the pandemic. The so the pandemic is one of those, you know, sort of issues that has hit, hit everyone and hit our coastal communities so personally and so directly, just like everybody else on the globe. Um, and and art is such a solace to people. So I'm curious to hear you guys talk a little bit about if you feel like, does art have a role to play in, in helping communities, you know, let's talk specifically about Maine's communities, sort of move through some of these challenges. Like, is, I mean, it, maybe it's as simple as being inspired by the beautiful pieces that that artists make, um, but sort of what what role art has in in helping our communities be a little bit more resilient to some of the changes, whether it's the pandemic or climate change or whatever change we might we might be facing on the main coast. I'm sure that we're all going to agree that art is integral to humanity and absolutely essential. Um, to move through, um, it's it's good for everything. I mean, there's just not a bad, there's not a downside. And if you want to go economics, it's good for economics too, even if we go there. So it's just, it's something that's so nurturing and something that is so accessible. And it's just, I can't, I can't emphasize the importance of it. Carl or Tom? Well, I was going to say that it, you know, it, uh, 
art reveals the truths of the world. And I think that that's a really important role. And, and uh, people turn to art uh, for, for many, many different reasons. But one of the principal ones is, as I said earlier, sort of this instigator of joy. Um, it's something that, uh, that lifts us up and makes us think. And, and uh, uh, one of my favorite all-time books is um, Alan Gusso's Sense of Place, The Artist in the American Land. I recommend it to anybody. It still, still holds up pretty well. And, and in there, you know, a variety of artists, I don't know, 50 or 60 artists, in addition to their work, talk about about their practice and, and what they're after. And, and I, I think uh, everybody is, everyone is somehow different. Uh, Carl Schrag talk, talking about Deer Isle or, or somebody else talking about an industrial landscape. Um, they're, re they're really important parts of our lives, the, these images. You know, it's quite amazing uh, how a very simple thing like visiting a kindergarten class <laughs> and talking about art and how these kids just really just flip out, you know, about, you know, that an adult could be an artist, you know? Um, and I just remember, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because, you know, I recently saw one of those kindergartners who's already graduated from college and, um, <clears throat> she may not be doing art, but she had such a good time in the class, you know, where we, we did some very simple pictures um, that, you know, something, something about uh, an alternative way to live. Uh, you don't have to be a banker or a lawyer or a doctor or anything like that. You can actually follow your own path, you know? Whatever it is that you really, um, you know, love to do, and um, <clears throat> so I think that what artists bring too is there's there's many people from New York that come here and it's great, you know, at Haystack. I've I've taught at Haystack and I've really enjoyed that. It's just it just is one of the most remarkable places to teach because it's just like perfect. It, it just has this fantastic view and uh, everybody's enthusiastic there and the food is great, um, you know. And, and so it, it's like this world of thought, this idea that you can express yourself in any way you want, you know? It doesn't have to be figurative. It could be abstract. It could be music. It could be dance. And uh, so I the, the idea that there is another way, another path, even if your parents are like, I can't stand, you know, I mean, they want you to be something. But if you really listen to your heart of hearts, then you can really walk your own path. And it, it just gives, gives, gives back to you. I think that's important, too. That is such a great message and a really great message, especially as we begin to wind down our hour. Um, thank you so much for that, Tom. Um, so I'm curious if there are any particular shows or exhibits or workshops or anything that any of you have coming up that you would like to let listeners know about. I have a show. I have a, <clears throat> a class in Scudic that's available. It's, uh, it's in October. It's like a three-day workshop. It's a great place to paint in October. It's not too hot. 
and there's not as many people and <clears throat> there's so many interesting paint you know places to paint down there on Scudic point and uh i'm uh also having a show at courthouse gallery uh for the month of august uh, please feel free to come by and uh see some pictures if you want to and i wanted to mention uh two things one is uh my wife and I have been involved with a fun, an art fundraiser for the Acadia Family Center in Southwest Harbor. It's a mental health uh, organization, and uh, Judy is one of our featured artists in that in that auction. And that that'll go live in mid July and go on through through the month of August. Um, very excited about that. Um, and then I've also helped organize a show of a painter named Sarah Peabody uh, for the Northeast Harbor Library that will be there the month of August. Uh, this is one of the things that I'd love to do to sort of rediscover a painter. Uh, she was a long time Northeast Harbor summer resident who was a terrific. She learned how to do Japanese screens from a conservator at the MFA in Boston. Uh, just a really interesting life in art. Uh, and there'll, be a, there'll be a lot of coastal paintings in this show. So month of August. Great, thank you, Carl. Judy, how about you? Any, any upcoming events you would like to share? Well, I just came off a very intensive workshop where I had a, a six foot six model, male model in the uh, landscape in the harbor scenes down in Bass Harbor. I will possibly be doing another workshop in September, but I haven't put anything together yet. But, uh, and my website is being reworked, but if anybody is, is curious, they can just write to me um, on my email. Um, and then I'm right now I'm, I'm hoping to open my studio to the public in a couple of weeks. It's still, it's still, uh, <laughs> it's still kind of in disarray. Um, so I'm in Seal Cove and when the open sign is up, then people can come in and look at the work. And I do have uh, paintings in a number, and out, some out at Islesford, some at Cornerstone Gallery in Southwest Harbor and some down at Tom Moser's. But uh, I'm just kind of getting started, right, uh, with getting back to being with the public a little bit. Well, I feel like I could keep asking you guys questions for hours, but we have pretty much run out of time. Um, I am deeply grateful for this conversation. That, this has been a whole lot of fun. So any parting shots as we wind down? Sort of last, last thought from each of you? I would say get out there and draw or paint. You don't have to be an artist to paint. You could you could just, if you see something you really love and you don't wanna just take a photograph with your phone, you know, pick up a pencil and do a drawing. No one's gonna judge your drawing. You just do something and, and it reminds you of your vacation here in Maine. Nice. Yes, I would agree with that. I would say Embrace your visual vocabulary, however you do that. Yeah. And write some, write some poetry while you're at it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you so much, Tom Curry, Carl Little, and Judy Taylor. It's been great to spend a little bit of time with you this afternoon. I appreciate it. And I wish you guys the best of summers. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you very much. Coastal Conversations is produced with support from the Maine Sea Grant Program at the University of Maine, bringing marine science to Maine people. 
catch the latest episode of Coastal Conversations from 4 to 5 p.m. on the fourth Friday of each month on WERU Community Radio at 89.9 FM or find past shows in the WERU.org Public Affairs Archives. You might also like to catch our sister program, Talk of the Towns with Ron Beard, on the second Wednesday of each month at 4 p.m. Our show's theme music, A Following Sea, was composed and performed by Paul Anderson. Until next time, this is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, host of Coastal Conversations, wishing you a good weekend.